guess I'll start. Hello. <laughs> Hello. How are we doing? Good. Yeah? I'm very excited to uh-huh. talk about not the best Peter Pan movie. Yeah, yeah. That's no. very fair. Yeah, I couldn't think of a good Not the best Peter adjective. Pan movie is a pretty, pretty solid... Uh, wow, right out of the gate, people are going to know how we feel. Yes. Well, you know, is it the only one in the 90s? I don't... I think so. If we're May, not gonna, it might be the best Peter the Pan best movie of the '90s. Peter Pan of the '90s. Yeah. If there are no other Peter Pan adaptations coming your way, and uh, more pirate involved than yeah. our last. I mean, titular character. Yeah, <laughs> you know, still, Huck. still could be argued to be not entirely about pirates. Hey, if we can do the Goonies, we can freaking do. Huck. Yes, we're That's... on the up. I mean, by the time we get to the next one, yeah, be pirates all the way. All the way. We're just building slowly back up to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Basically, if there's at least exactly one pirate in the movie, it's it's. I feel like it qualifies. We have to consider it. Doesn't yeah. mean we'll cover it, but we'll consider. It. <laughs> so yeah, we are today. We are talking about Hook. Um, I believe it came out in '91. Sounds right. That sounds right. Clearly, we're prepared. Um, yeah, we're gonna talk about this wild movie uh, that has such a like a following. It's a very specific like generation that really really loves this movie. It's like Space Jam. It's exactly like Space Jam. I mean, not at all, but <laughs> you know similar. what I mean. <laughs> very similar. So yeah, let's let's dive right in, man. Let's do it. So I'll start with the standard. Uh, when were you first aware of this movie? When did you like watch this movie? Do you remember what your initial reaction was to the movie? My first uh, viewing of Hook is mm. lost to time. Oh. I think I don't know. I don't know when that was, uh, and I don't really remember the whole thing. I think it's one of those movies where uh, when I eventually saw it a bit later, mm-hmm. more recently, I didn't really um, remember all of it. I definitely wouldn't have remembered, you know, that it takes forever for it really to get started yes uh even though it's, it's rather known for that now um but i'm pretty sure most of my memories of it were definitely from the actual uh, neverland yes. parts that's fair that's and fair you would, you would hope else. that's what you remember out of the movie is the neverland parts yeah it's definitely it wasn't strong in any of it though in my memory uh mm-hmm. like i i remember uh hook himself yeah pretty well i think there were a few parts that i was a little scared of maybe mm. um Fair. but yeah vaguely besides that when, when he shows up um mm-hmm. when he kidnaps the kids yeah and they use all this creepy shadows and all that i have a, a some sort of memory of that uh being scary but beyond that it's not was not a strong memory for me mm. and um i think i watched it like i don't know five or six years ago for some reason oh. and that was like the first time i had seen it properly um, yeah properly uh so i now when we watched it i you know basically remembered it and it's basically in my head now mm-hmm. but i don't think it ever truly was before, before then. then no gotcha gotcha um i have a very very vivid memory of this movie and the fact that i don't quite remember it but I remember I ate too many Cracker Jacks when I watched this movie as a small child oh. and threw up everywhere. So that is that is my memory of Hook. Um, That's more negative. A little bit more negative. I I mean, is it though? Because like I clearly really enjoyed the Cracker Jack I, portion of Until it. you didn't. Until I didn't, you know. So. Uh, Did it ruin that for you? No, but unfortunately, every time somebody mentions Hook, that is without fail what I tell them. And they're like, we know, this is your Cracker Jack movie, Vicky. You've said it, like, a million times. It's like, but I just want you to know that, like, I regurgitated a lot of Cracker Jacks watching this movie. Um, I do have very, very fuzzy memories of it, aside from, you know, that portion of the experience. I remember being very, very terrified of, um, like, the, the comforters being blown off the kids during mm-hmm. the kidnapping sequence that scared the shit out of me. Um, they wouldn't I, be, they'd be cold. Exactly. Like, <laughs> that's why I was so frightened Terrible. for them. Just to chill in the night. That's yeah. not what you want when you're cozy in bed. Then they go to Neverland and it looks pretty warm there, so mm-hmm. I guess it's fine. Valid. Yeah. Yeah. London's cold, you know. But, uh, yeah, that, that, like, visually kind of stuck in my brain as a small child. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I remember Rufio's mohawk 
and then I remember him dying, and then I remember being genuinely confused by the crocodile and how it killed Hook. It's still confusing. To it's this still day. confusing now. It's something we're gonna address, but um, I I don't actually remember you know how much I liked it. Yeah. But I did realize that um I I thought of it a certain way I suppose uh it's it I assumed like many people probably mm-hmm. uh that it was just a beloved children's movie um yes. and you only found out later you know that it was actually badly received yeah uh, I think you are surprised to hear that about just about anything if you watched it when you were young enough mm-hmm. uh but in terms of hook I think the ways in which it is flawed are not really the types of things you would easily pick up on even when you're a little bit older yeah because they're more just like movie issues of pacing and <laughs> tone and stuff like that yes it's not like it just looks like a train wreck or anything no no so it's uh, spielberg you're gonna get a certain level of quality no matter how well received it is or not yeah. like, I th- well i think to me who you know didn't connect to a lot of uh other 80s movies mm-hmm. that i was you know supposed to like i guess something like hook would have seemed like it was pretty similar to all of those, and it would have been kind of a surprise to learn that like these movies were actually well everyone received. liked them, yeah. and this one wasn't. Yeah, because I wouldn't have been able to figure out the difference necessarily. Mm-hmm. I will admit that, um, like I said, Hook kind of has like a I don't want to say like cult following because like I think financially it did decently. I think I a think, lot of I people. I think it actually did really well. Do not quote me on this at all. I think people just like it more than uh, the initial reception. Like, yeah. even, even if they don't think it's um, a masterpiece, there's a general idea that uh, maybe it wasn't that bad. <laughs> and <laughs> that's know? because of Rufio, you guys. Rufio. Well, especially, <laughs> like, with Robin Williams and all, I think, you know, mm-hmm. people uh, have a tendency to appreciate uh, what movies ha- we have of him, you know, and, and he's in quite fine, fine <laughs> form, form, I guess, in a certain way in Hook, even if he doesn't get to be the whole movie like we've said yeah but it's definitely a prime example of like exuberant yeah i mean robin williams i know even like uh, you can look this up very easily that like even spielberg said like he he's not particularly happy with the film but he can't really like full-on be disappointed in making it because he got to meet and befriend robin williams and they were pretty close after this so it's like it's not all bad um i guess it is important to note that like Obviously, production was kind of very difficult mm-hmm. for this movie for a multitude of reasons. Um, but, you know, all that being said, I was like, wow, if production was really tricky. I'm not sure how well it translates into, like, if you watch a movie going in knowing that the production was really difficult. Um, it's like, are you able to tell? And I think it's kind of a loaded question. But with this one, I think, I don't know if you can have direct parallels between like pacing and editing and tone issues with production Mm -hmm. um you can like we can you can try and hazard a guess but i i don't know i I think it makes sense in how you can see it just in that maybe when he started the project he was much more excited and that one was over he was disappointed in what came out yeah just because i was thinking after we watched it this time that the bones of it are very solid you know yes like the whole concept is good and thematically coherent and all that mm-hmm. uh, the flaws are really just in like execution of actual individual scenes mm-hmm. and the pace like we said yeah so it's really easy to see how um that was probably stuff that came up more during the making of the movie and not so much yeah they the went beginning. over schedule and over budget which is something spielberg i don't believe had done since jaws and he had kind of made an effort to be in like under budget under time oh yeah it's a wild time all right so i guess we should give like a really quick summary uh if you guys haven't already seen it or you just need a quick refresher also if you haven't seen it i don't i don't know why you're listening to this but hey power to you so basically the hook is the tale of peter pan grown up doesn't remember who he is uh, he married a descendant of Wendy. The Peter Pan stories are actually real. Hook has captured his kids. He has to go back to Neverland, remember how to be Peter Pan, and save his kids. That was very good. Thank you. Very succinct. Thank you. And yet, this is a two and a <laughs> half hour movie. It helps that uh, it's basically a genre on its own now. We yes. were talking about this. Yeah. With um, I believe it's called. Yeah, we could make an Avengers Robin. movie That's out of this called, with right? Christopher Robin. And um, the other one that I've forgotten now. Oh, yeah. I think oh. they could assemble a team of, like, 
kids books that are based off of real kids so like you could do like Peter Pan is based off of somebody who is named Peter that the author knew same with like Alice from Alice in Wonderland and then obviously Christopher Robin with like Winnie the Pooh so I think you could make a real bitchin team with these people mm-hmm. and combine them but yeah this is kind of like a weird trend I remember when uh, it was, uh, Mary Poppins was oh the other yeah, one. yeah yeah Mary yeah. Poppins so yeah Mary Poppins and Christopher Robin it's where you do like a, a sequel or a reboot but the concept is that uh that the characters the from the original yeah, yeah they've forgotten the magic yes, <laughs> and they must get and it they back relearn it yeah and they they have to usually meet the old characters mm-hmm. that they forgot about yeah it's true. and um honestly like i guess you know it doesn't work perfectly in hook but no. it's not perfect in most of those others either very true it seems hard to get right Yes. I feel like this one is so weird because, like, the combination of Spielberg and Robin Williams and they're doing something Peter Pan, like, adjacent or centric. Like, it's not a direct, obviously, adaptation of Peter Pan, but they pull a a shit ton of references from both, like, the movies, Mm -hmm. the play, the book based off of the play. Like, it's there. It's all there. And yet it just doesn't quite click. And I do think it's because of, like, some really weird pacing issues but if you think about it like in terms of casting it's pretty effing great because robin williams is like peter pan and like an adult peter pan is perfect Mm -hmm. just in the same way that like the director who is like kind of i think has been has like a peter pan complex is what some critics have said like it makes sense that they're like oh he's a perfect fit to Mm -hmm. direct peter pan movie he has a very like keen insight into that type of psyche of like growing up in childhood isn't the like I guess the the problem the reason why it's not as good as it could be mm. uh, because they do match those um, that character very well yes is honestly the same problem for like all those other versions of this movie which is just that usually the fantastical parts are really fun yeah um, but they spend a lot of time in the mundane real world and it's like thematically it's always very logical yes <laughs> but the reality is people don't really want to see that very no. much. You know, they want to see Peter they Pan. They want to see Peter Pan, movie. Peter Pan, yeah. Um, they can handle a certain amount, but they don't really want to watch 40, 50 minutes of sad businessman Robin Williams. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Just yelling at his family, yelling at his small children. And especially for us, because we're supposed to be talking about pirates, and he and refuses yeah. to get to the pirates. He really refuses. They have really. the pirates literally have to like go across and, and snag yeah. the story away from him. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I guess where do we even want to start with this? Where do you want to go? Okay, you know what? I, I take it back. I'm, I'm taking it over. <laughs> Let's talk about Hook's plan. All right? Because this just oh, yeah, this yeah. needs to be said. I don't think... This is a tonal... Uh, issue of whether it's a children's movie or not. Yeah, so, alright, hear me out, folks. I genuinely believe that Captain Hook doesn't understand procreation because his whole plan is to steal Peter Pan's kids, to lure Peter Pan back, to, like, basically generate the big war that he's always wanted. So everyone can fight forever. So everybody can fight forever. And you're like, I vaguely get this weird Neverlandy pirate logic. Sure. That's what they do there. You've lost your big enemy and you want to go, like, start it up again. But then the weirdest part of the movie, well, that's not true. There's many weird parts in this movie. But, like, a genuinely confusing moment in the movie is when, like, he first shows up in Neverland to go get his kids back and, like, he declares to Captain Hook, like, those are my kids. I'm Peter Banning. And he's like, you're Peter Pan? And he's, like, so confused that he's an adult. And I'm like, how do you think he got children? His children are, like, I don't know, maybe 10 and younger. Like, and if Peter Pan is supposed to be pre-puberty, like, what was he doing? He wasn't having kids that age. That makes no sense. He didn't think it through. He didn't think it through. Dustin Hoffman's hook was just like, whoa, I did, this is literally a curveball, which is great because there's going to be baseball in here later too. But it's like, the 90s. It's the 90s. <laughs> but it was like, it's so funny to me that he's just, and I think it, on a logic level, you're like this, I, I don't understand why he's genuinely confused that his like greatest enemy is going to be an adult now. And now I'm going to give him four days to train. Like that's weird movie logic of being like, yeah, it, it becomes like a weird sports movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but Although also not. But also not. But it is interesting that, 
like Neverland, like in terms of canon, is very odd. Um, for like if James M. Barry's Neverland, if you read the the book that's based off the play, and then like there's a, a million obviously adaptations. It's a very famous story, but like Neverland is weird in the sense of like the Neverland that you go to, both in the play and in the book, is Peter Pan's Neverland. So there's this general idea that Neverland could be anything to anybody. Like, they even say in the book, like, Wendy's Neverland would look very different from Michael's Neverland. This is a new concept. Yes, which is not something they really ever go over in any of the film or TV adaptations of this. Um, And there's, like, so much written on this. But anyway, like, the weird thing about Neverland is it's basically this one kid's big playground like Peter Pan's playground where he goes off and has adventures and the way he treats them it is literally like a game like it's just another chapter in his story and it's just kind of ongoing there aren't real severe consequences give or take a hand you know so (laughs) it's funny because you see what I did there Mm -hmm, yeah mm -hmm. anyway um but it is weird that's a weird thing to think about but then when you apply it to the movie you're like Oh, yeah, it's like a childish logic that Hook has to be like, I need to start the game again. Yeah, I like that element of it. And then all of a sudden realizing like, oh, the game has literally changed because my opponent is not is not a child. But I'm also like like the pirates are the only adults in the world Mm -hmm. in Neverland. I don't know how they got there. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But the whole thing is like Neverland is Peter's imagination, Peter Pan's imagination and what he wants to do. It's his playground. And so it's really funny to have like the adults not even quite have a good concept of like how the game is supposed to work if they pull an actual adult from the real world into it. Um, so it is. It is. They're really, not like really weird. proper adults. <laughs> I mean, they. It's weird because they're they are because they're like the bad guys, but they're also like really literally like mustache twirly yeah. bad guys. But at the same time, you're like, okay, but in this version of Hook, you go to Neverland and there's like a whole pirate port and there's like prostitutes, <laughs> and you're like, well, I don't understand what's going on. Like, I get that there's this really fun trope of like pirates and like a harbor and like mm-hmm. it's a pirate town, and of course there's going to be wenches and. We have to use this set. They have to use this set because it's so, it's so bitchin' and it just looks like a musical set. Um, but it's it's weird because you're like, it's almost, it, it is, it looks like play acting. It looks like a musical. It doesn't look real, which mm-hmm. works for Neverland. But the really weird thing is it's you're like, well, then how do we, I don't know, like compartmentalize what is real world and what's just fantasy? Because like, if this is just a kid's playground... And this is their general concept of pirates. It is kind of odd that they're like, well, let's introduce like wenches <laughs> and stuff in here, mm-hmm. which I'm all for having more like ladies in Neverland, even though like there's a reason why there aren't lost girls um, in the stories because they're much too clever. And that's a direct line, guys. But like it is odd because it feels like it wants to have its cake and eat it too, of being like, it's a big fantastical world, but it's scary, but it also has no stakes. And also the adults aren't really adults. Mm-hmm. But like there are adult concepts that are built in Neverland. It's just very, very odd. Which is basically my TED talk of saying I genuinely don't think Hook knows how procreation <laughs> works. Well yeah, I don't know how every adaptation of Peter Pan approaches this and whether the pirates really need to seem dangerous, but they certainly don't in Hook. Mm-hmm. If they thought about doing that at all, you yeah. know, it's oh, it's God not no. it's not an element. Like the story is about whether he's going to Peter's going to be able to believe in himself. Mm-hmm. It's not really anything about the stakes of the actual fighting the pirates there's no real worry there but there are it's so weird because there are actually stakes because well, like the a worry kid is dies. <laughs> the worry is more that like hook's gonna steal peter's son yeah and just like and then he's gonna actually Stockholm like beat him Syndrome in him. combat yeah. yeah it's it's weird it's very odd but you're right they do still kill children yeah so it's just this very weird mix of like what is the tone here they because quickly brush past killing children quickly oh my gosh i think it's really funny because upon rewatch like i remember as a little kid and even just in pop culture like it's a really big deal when rufio dies and i remember being like oh my god they killed rufio this is so sad and then watching it like more recently i was like oh my god like this isn't even like in terms of 
like the timing of the movie it is a real quick scene and it goes by super fast and it's just like a weird sucker punch and then they just literally fly away from it and it doesn't get addressed again you don't see Rufio's body again it's just it's a weird clash of tones they felt it needed to be in there for some reason yeah but there was nowhere good to put it I guess I think it's it's weird I don't know why it needs to be in there, really. I don't... I'm trying to parse out why it needs to be in there, because the whole... If we're going based off of, like, the movie and what happened, Peter Pan leaves Neverland, but before he leaves, he passes on his sword to the next leader, the next yeah. Pan, and that's Rufio. And so I don't know if it's just another weird cycle of, like, did Rufio need to die? So, like, he was like, I finally found a father figure that I always wanted, which is a weird thread that doesn't really go through. Well, it's weird because he could just pass on his Peter Pan as to Rufio at the Again. end of this movie. Yeah. And he does the same thing, but with a different kid. Yeah. It is, is odd. A perfectly cool kid. Yeah, no, <laughs> we, like... we like him. We like him. But it is like an odd thing to kill Rufio if you consider that like that's really the only death in the movie that you see on screen because even Hook's death is a little weird. I would say they were trying to add stakes except that, like you said, this happens about 20 seconds before Peter wins anyway. Yeah. So it's not like the stakes are around very long. Yeah, it's very, very odd. Uh, the whole, the whole, I think there's a weird tonal mix-up just in terms of like the fantasy, the fantasy and then the really mature like thematic tones of like being an adult and growing up and mm -hmm. then trying to find your like childlike innocence again but there's a weird mix of that and there's a weird mix of pacing and there's definitely i think a lot of different ideas about yeah. what to do yeah that haven't been meshed together i just was thinking about this and realized that this whole thing <laughs> with peter's son and uh peter does have a daughter that is that yes. is something maggie is a thing his daughter but is, is not, she though? <laughs> not relevant to this movie apparently yeah um his son plays baseball Mm -hmm. with Hook and the boys yeah. uh, to Hook try and to the boys. ingratiate himself with, uh, with you know, modern youth trends. Yeah, I mean, it and, is a um, very clunky parallel to, like, Hook is there for Jack yes. at the baseball game as a father figure when in the, the thing real is, world Peter wasn't. I don't think it comes back. There's that bit where, like, Peter and them see them playing baseball. Yeah. They go away again. They come back for the final fight. Yeah. Uh, as far as I can recall, there is no baseball-related stuff later. I just feel like it would make more sense if, like, Jack, his son, mm -hmm. had some sort of moment of heroism or choosing his father that also, like, involved the baseball, since yeah. it's a big thing for his character that he likes it. But it never comes up again. Uh, I don't know. Like, in a very cheesy kids' movie way, it's just much easier to imagine something where, like, you know... <laughs> He hits a ball and knocks Hook out or something. Just anything that actually relates all of this weird subplot stuff to everything else that's going on. Especially because like, the baseball thing seems to go on forever. But really I feel does. like it's also one of those things where if you were to time it, it is not actually that long. It just feels very long. This is prime deleted scenes material, mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. it was not It was removed. not. Yeah, I think we should talk about just timing in general. So... Obviously, you are making a Peter Pan sequel with Robin Williams, but you don't get to see him become Peter Pan, legitimately Peter Pan, until... A mm, while. I don't know. I feel I, like it's like 40-ish minutes. Oh, well, become Peter Pan properly? It's yeah. much longer. Yeah. It's like yeah. near the two-hour mark. Yeah. So he only gets to be Peter Pan, I think, for about 40 minutes, maybe. Mm -hmm. Like in the actual get-up, in the leggings. Which is the whole point. <laughs> yeah. It takes a very long time. Yeah. Um, and then there's like, it's just very odd because it's like, this is such a long movie and it is, you know, it's Peter Pan. So you inherently think it's a kid's movie, but like getting a kid to sit through that two and a half hours. And it's like, it's not really like Peter Pan doesn't actually show up technically until the back third of the movie. I suppose the other kids are supposed to make up for that as far as kids go. Yeah. Um, it's weird to think about the beginning, even having just seen it. I think uh, the only beats that are really hit mm. before they all go to Neverland yeah, is like there, Peter has a connection yeah. to the actual Peter Pan story, Yes, as does his, uh, his wife's grandmother would be the one, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And um, he neglects his kids because he works too much. Yeah. That's it. Like that's yeah. what happens in the first... 
45 minutes or something? It could have been cut down to like 20 minutes. There. I don't even know, having just watched it, I don't know how it fills that much time. I don't. Like, there's just like the same point, I guess, is reiterated over and over. Uh, you know, when you would only need one scene mm-hmm. to do most of this, to be honest. Yeah. I think it's it's weird because it's it's one of those things where there's a lot of... There's a lot of Easter eggs at the first mm-hmm. half of the movie about Peter Pan. If you like are a big fan of the the animated, the books, or or the movie, or um, like other adaptations, or even the play, particularly the play, where they're like, we want you to feel like this is all real and happened and steeped in its history within the canon. Um, so the way it works is like Peter Pan actually happened, uh, the Darling Kids and their adventures literally happened and their neighbor was uh jm barry and he just loved their story so much that he turned them into a play and then that's the play that we know as it is today in modern Mm. and it took off from there um and then the running thing is like kind of like what we said earlier we're like they are real life basis is for these characters so like in real life in the movie like in the world of the movie grandma wendy is like she is famous for being like, oh, that's what Wendy from Peter Pan She's is based the, the off of. She's the inspiration. She's the inspiration yeah. for it, and she also happens to run an orphanage. Yes. And, like, all of this happens, and, like, Toodles, like, all of these people actually exist because it actually really happened, and yet they keep making, like, references to the play, and it's just a really weird mix of history where, like, it happens, but then it, it only, it kind of cherry picks what's there and what isn't think- there. Is she, is she meant to run, like, a proper normal orphanage? Yes. Or is it literally just, like, Lost Boys that she is collecting? I think it was Lost Boys, but then eventually I, I believe it extended out from there. Yeah. Because if it if that were not the case, if it was just exclusively Lost Boys, then you would not see any female orphans when they oh, yeah. do the big yeah. charity dinner for her. Well, that's a good example of something that, like, it's it's fun in terms of lore. Yes, but, but it's you not would, necessary. Do we need this scene where they, like, go to this dinner... And, like, they spent a lot of time in the scene. They got all these extras. There's, like, so much going into this scene that's really just there to tell you, like, in case you were wondering how this all fits together. Yes. She actually ran an orphanage. Yes. And, you know. Yeah. It's kind of like the the cool, uh, these concepts are really fun because, like I said, like, they're really fun for fans. But if you sit down and think about it in terms of, like, the movie, you're like, we don't really need this. Like, Mm -hmm. it is great to be like, hey, this is how we're logicing away how this literally happened in this world. Um, But, like, we don't need Toodles and his marbles. We don't need, like, it is fun for Wendy to finally sit Peter down and be like, you've gotten so old, you used to think of me, but also, like... I mean, I won't say no to, uh... I will never say no to more (laughs) Maggie Maggie Smith. Smith, yes. I'm just saying, like... It is a little bit odd in terms of spacing. Like, you mm-hmm. get her a little bit, but all the stuff surrounding her is not necessary. The Toodle stuff, yeah, is like, it's sort of the ending beat of the movie, you know? Mm-hmm. He flies off. And gets to go back, um, yeah. Which is fine, but it's, like, not significant enough to actually be the ending beat, because not like there was actually that much time spent on it, I yeah. don't think. Um, I guess it just conveys... I don't even know what it conveys. Like, we know that Peter has reconciled the parts of himself and mm-hmm. now he can return and be better father because he's in touch with his uh, childhood, childhood innocence side, and yeah. all that. Uh, but like, I don't know what the beat there at the end actually means. It's it's nice individually for Doodles to yes. go back. But is it though? I but feel like, like it's kind of cruel. <laughs> well, I guess he, it seems like he's like, you know, a bit confused on this side of things so it seems better maybe on the whole but but like it's a character beat for one character it doesn't really say anything else about neverland or peter or anything so Mm. i guess it's just this like thing that's been stuck on the end like that'll be nice yeah we couldn't think of a better way to end it (laughs) so we'll do that um even though i i like the marbles pun you know yeah no that is not against that yeah, it's just weird because they, they, they shove a lot of, like, Peter Pan lore in there. But if you take down and, and actually, like, look at it, you're like, oh, this actually conflicts with the lore. And that's okay. Like, you don't have to... Peter Pan lore. You don't have to point it out and be like, no, we made an effort to make sure this is actually, like, a sequel. But you're like, mm-hmm. but it doesn't make sense as a sequel. <laughs> because if that were the case, then this wouldn't be this and this wouldn't be this. Um, it, it really does rely on knowledge of peter pan anyway yeah which like not it, not terribly but i mean it, it relies on the knowledge 
in the sense that I feel like the Avengers movies do, like with Marvel, where it's like it's going to be pretty easy to follow if you generic like generally know what happened before. Mm-hmm. But it's going to be a lot more satisfying if, like, you've read the comics, you're a super fan. Because they're going to shove a lot of stuff in there. But I think the is... difference is, is, like, that doesn't stop the plot, whereas yeah. it stops the plot here. And it's theoretically for kids that yeah. may nev- not know anything about Peter Pan. They may not be a hardcore Peter Pan fan. Um, <laughs> so it's it's a bit probably confusing for a lot of kids, I think, to, to be introduced to the concept of Peter Pan. At the same time, they're being introduced to the idea that actually that already happened, and yeah. this is about what happened afterwards. Yes. Um, it's not like, you know, every child has seen the Disney movie and knows it by heart or something. Yeah. Like, it almost feels like... But it's drawing on stuff that's, like, not even in the Disney movie yeah. either. It's weird. Like, it is going back to source material, which is very respectable. But at the same time, you're like, just, guys, I just want to see Robin Williams' as Peter Pan. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what I want to see. Like, you don't... It is really... Since this movie does have so many pacing issues, it really is okay not to go and do a deep dive explanation of being like, look how closely we followed the lore. Or, like, the whole point of the sequel is to, like, appreciate the lore and then build off of it, not keep referencing mm-hmm. it to the point where it doesn't make any sense that this is happening right now. Um, but yeah, that that is a it's a weird thing that is threaded throughout the movie where they keep making references and you're like, oh, I appreciate they did that, but like, can we get to the good stuff now? You know. Mm-hmm. So. What's the good stuff? I mean, obviously Bob Hoskins as Shmi is just fucking fantastic. <laughs> Despite the fact that some of the pirate stuff feels like it's very disconnected. Yes. It's like the best stuff in the movie. Yeah. So. It's hard to complain. I I love the pirate stuff because, like, we we touched on earlier, just, like, the design of them. It's just so classically, like, big, bold, brash, musical, cartoony, like, Mm -hmm. the ultimate cliche cartoon character of a pirate is that in the entire crew and every single pirate that you see in this movie. There's eye patches, there's peg legs, there's just, like, big hats and feathers, there's questionable facial hair. There's blend clothes and drag. It's amazing. Like, it's all great. But um, I think we talked about this while we were watching the movie. Um, in a lot of Peter Pan adaptations, it feels like Shmi always ends up stealing the scenes. And or, like, him, his comedic timing with Captain Hook mm-hmm. is always a highlight because they're, you know, they're always playing the off of each other. The original odd couple. The original odd couple. And if you really think about it, guys... <laughs> This is the story of one trying to convince their partner that adoption's cool, and the other partner being like, I don't know about that, and then getting really into it, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. That is me, and that is Hook dealing with Jack and Maggie, except they completely ditch Maggie. <laughs> they do. <laughs> I genuinely don't know why Maggie is there. It's a bit odd. I think maybe, again, it's some connection to the lore of, like, you need to have more than one kid going to Neverland and one of them needs to be like a little girl in a nightgown. Yeah, I mean I think uh, I don't know that much about Mr. Steven Spielberg but this is obviously a movie about fathers and sons. It really is not about his daughter. There's literally no place for her there. Um, Yeah. She sings a song about Neverland and that's like her big greatest hit. Like literally that's it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then she just keeps telling people like you're mean and I like I really really love like the the intent of like we need a girl in Neverland, but like I don't know. Do something do with something it. with it because otherwise just stick to the theme of like father and son that you had or already going. Mm-hmm. Like obviously it's Robin Williams, so like he's really good about caring about both the kids, but like clearly the connection is with Jack <laughs> and the emphasis is on Jack. Well, there's no conflict of any sort with Maggie. Uh, her anyway. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's she's just, just um, like I love my dad, and you need to remember who your parents are. And we need to go home, Jack. She's his conscience, I guess. Yeah. Um, but she's not. She's really not in it. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, the whole point is, is like she gets ditched, and Bob Hoskins and Dustin Hoffman are just like. This will be our new pirate kid, son. Our child, which I don't know who does their tailoring, but like. Oh yeah, they got him an outfit. They got him a little mini outfit with a mini wig. It's very cute. <laughs> Uh, it's it's very similar to the Goonies, where I'm like, where are these child-sized pirate outfits coming from? This is delightful, but also very confusing. It's movie magic. <laughs> movie uh, I just magic. don't know. 
Yeah, I do really like Baba Hoskins as Shmi. I think yeah, he's really he's fun. Great. I, I mean, think I like all their scenes together. He are and, he and maybe Hook. not always entirely necessary, but they're always entertaining. Yeah, I mean, the best <laughs> scene in this movie. Wait, I should hold off on that. Oh, Do that yeah, at the end. yeah, yeah. But yes, it involves them. They are, they're great. They are. They're, they're just. Fabulous. I mean, they're just funny and like, it's harder to hold it against a movie yeah. when it's just trying to be silly like that. I mm-hmm. think. A lot, obviously, other parts of this movie have grander uh, ambitions to yeah. be more um, heartwarming and soaring and all this. And all of the hook smee stuff is just like... Straight up silly. Hijinks. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. I like that. I think this there is a benefit to that. But the flip side of that is you have a movie that is hyping up... Because I don't even think you see hook until 40 minutes in can't be yeah until they get there and it know. can't be until they get there and it takes you see them, his his shadow I mean, you see yeah but actually his physical presence on screen yeah he, you don't see him in his full regalia as hook until about 40 minutes in and they've hyped him up as like this really terrible dude which he is he kidnapped kids he's going to kill a kid later but like the reality is is like he's really not very threatening and i think that stems from the fact that like what we talked about earlier where he doesn't realize that like Peter is an adult and is his arch nemesis has grown up and then it stems from the fact that like all of his brilliant scenes with me are very you know hijink slapsticky like not particularly serious there are funny moments of like mm-hmm. I'm a pirate with existential dread and fatherhood <laughs> yeah. but like it's played for laughs and he's not really given the chance to be a full-blown like genuinely terrifying villain that often I guess they just saw a lot of opportunity to go full comedy with him yes. in a different way, but didn't really think of the any stakes. particular spin on him dramatically. Yeah. You could tell all the energy was more going into, like, we're all having a great time. Yes. Yeah. Which, I mean, kudos. But at the end of the day, you're mm-hmm. like, I, I need my pirates to be a little bit scarier if they're going to be actually doing this big fight at the end. Yeah. Which is, I think, arguably why it's so shocking when Rufio dies. A, because it happened so quickly. But B, like, this whole time the whole movie's been building where, like, they're making Captain Hook quite fuzzy. Um, and his mm-hmm. teeth is, you know, he, he doesn't really have teeth. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I mean, he literally has teeth. And they're pretty <laughs> gross, but that's awesome. But, I mean, like, I wasn't actually expecting him to kill anybody. Because, no. like, everything prior to that has led me to believe that's not going to happen. So it is a bit odd when he it, when Yeah, he and again, does. it's a weird tonal thing, too, of, like, yeah. he's not that scary. <laughs> Which is okay. Your hook doesn't need to be scary, but you do need a big threat going on, and you would think he would be it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, what do you think of the, uh, the Lost Boys and their scenes and all that? I think it feels very 90s. It does. Uh, I I love the production design. The extreme skateboarding the set, Lost Boys. But they're like, we've got extreme sports and basketball. And, and then yeah. even though it is separate from the Lost Boys, like you have a whole baseball sequence. Like all the kids stuff in the movies feels very 90s in mm-hmm. the sense of like, this is what kids are into. So let's build it into Neverland, which totally works because it's like it's a kid's dream. And if this so is coming out in the 90s, it's it's a clubhouse. Yeah. It's everything they'd want. Um, I think they're cool. I think obviously Rufio is dope because he <laughs> he's just Rufio and Dante Bosco is the best. And I'm super biased there. Yeah. Can't Can't be objective about that. But it is weird because I feel like I can only think of like him and then the other kid that gets the pan sword at the yeah. very end. Like the visually, I kid. can picture yeah. <laughs> visually, I can picture a bunch of other kids, mm-hmm. but I don't really know their names. And like I feel like they're this kind of weird nebulous gang where they're as big or as small as they need to be mm-hmm. for the scene, mm-hmm. and. Um, I mean, the same could be said for, like, with the original Peter Pan, they have a set number of Lost Boys, and it's a pretty small group. Mm-hmm. And, like, if you want to logic it out, you can be like, well, obviously there's going to be more and more Lost Boys eventually. I mean, some come, some go, and some nefarious things could happen to them. They could just return and leave Neverland. Mm-hmm. But, like, there's a lot of kids here and not a lot of standouts. And so it doesn't feel like... 
they feel like a gang, but I wish there was like I love the interactions with Robin Williams, especially mm-hmm. at the dinner when they're shouting uh, the insults back and forth. Yeah. That is awesome. The food fight. But I feel like you never hit that peak again. Because mm-hmm. it feels like a summer camp movie, but you haven't been introduced to all the kids. Yeah. Is is basically my I've rambling seen, uh, explanation. A slice of it. Yeah. Um, my memory of Peter Pan stories mm-hmm. is not great. And I cannot remember in like the traditional and specifically like the Disney animated mm-hmm. one and stuff like that, how they fit in the stuff with the sort of it's like pirates and Indians is the thing, yes. right? And I just realized as we were watching and talking about this that obviously that movie, the Disney one, yes. was criticized for how it did that. And yes. they just like sidestepped that entirely. Um, no, they have mermaids. Hooked. And I couldn't remember how that's supposed to phase in. Is that just like the Lost Boys are like allied with yeah. them? Yeah, in the original Peter Pan helped save Tiger Lily. Uh-huh. Okay. Who was the daughter of the chief. And it's been, I think, kind of heavily hinted at. Because, again, in Peter Pan's Neverland, it's just kind of a game. Um, It's all make-believe is the big thing. So at one point they were, you know, fighting against the the Indians. And now because he saved Tiger Lily, they are now friends. It's Mm -hmm. very simplistic child-like relationship negotiating. This is interesting that they they basically took the tack of, like, to avoid controversy. We're going to completely take that out. Yeah, that's gone. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And, of course, you know, sort of, they changed the Lost Boys anyway, like we're saying, and mm-hmm. make them this kind of 90s kids group. Which so works. you kind of don't think about it that much, because their whole thing is so different anyway, Yeah, I think. Yeah. I just... I, th- I understand yeah, on, like, a storytelling level, it needs to be relatable. So if this movie came out in the 90s, and the kids have this cool clubhouse in Neverland, mm-hmm. it's going to look like stuff that's interesting in the 90s. Because you're like, I need the audience to connect. It's not timeless. It's not timeless. <laughs> And it is weird to think about, again, you don't need to logic this movie, but if you do even take like the, just the smallest amount of time to sit down and think about it, you're like, where are these kids getting this stuff? And why do they all seem like they're from the 90s? Because yeah. if Peter Pan is a full-grown adult, and he passed a sword on to Rufio when he, before he left Neverland, and let's say he's like 12 max as Peter before he goes to leave. Then, like, Rufio's been there for, like, all those kids have been there for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And so there is a sense of timelessness with Neverlands, and their games are always going to evolve and get bigger. But, like, the kids, the, the Lost Boys don't feel timeless. No, yeah, they're, they're like, I think the only one that does is Pockets, which is the very, very little kid yeah. who, like, touches yeah. Peter's face, because he just kind of feels like an old soul there. <laughs> um, yeah. But, yeah, they all feel like 90s kids, which is not a, a detriment to the movie. It's just something like in terms of like logically, you're like, we need them to relate. But the yeah. reality is, is you're like, how does that actually like, how does this work? Because like, they're super cool. That They just, yeah, it feels like a weird 90s camp movie mm-hmm. with a really bitchin' set. Yeah, I feel like if we're going to talk about The Lost Boys, yeah, we should just talk about one of the best parts of this movie, mm. which you already touched on. Yeah. Uh, which is that both the uh, pirate um whatever we want to call it. Like the harbor uh, and the harbor, ship. Yeah, the harbor yeah. set. And the um, Lost Boys tree clubhouse, house, treehouse yeah. set are, are really cool. And so obviously big sets, like you said, they feel like theatrical. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fun. And um, it's just cool to see how much is on screen. Yeah. Uh, it really you, feels like a classic in the sense of like old pirate movies. Like there's this one shot where Peter Pan is sword fighting Captain Hook immediately after Rufio has died and it's at the back end of the ship and it's shot where you can see the ship kind of docked into the harbor and it looks so similar to a shot that is in Captain Blood when they're like raiding the harbors Mm -hmm. and stuff and it's also a very similar shot to like the kids in the Goonies when they're going to jump off the ship it's just like the angle and the composition of that shot you're just like wow this feels like a classic pirate movie it also helps that the thing was actually built and so it feels like an old Hollywood set or mm-hmm. a musical set. Like, it does not feel real, which is perfectly fine if you're in Neverland or on, like, this fantastical adventure. Like you said, they always end up going big mm-hmm. spectacle money for yes. pirate things. Which is, I mean, pirate movies are really expensive to make. Yeah. And part of that is, like, the construction that has to go into it. You don't want them to feel weightless. Yeah. Um, you know, you got to have the sets, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um. 
What are the various parody things that happen? Obviously, we have discussed there is a big parody battle, yes. including sword fights. Yes. Ex- not ex- not the best no, sword you fighting you've that's seen. That's fine. We're going to let it slide. They've got a lot of flying to do. That's some hard shit to coordinate. Yeah. This so. is uh, some less grounded, realistic yes. sword fighting. Yeah. Um, We're gonna let it slide. <laughs> as you said, they, they briefly touched on mermaids, which mm-hmm. is not something that has been a, a feature of our previous pirate. No, movie. not yet. Not no. yet. But obviously it has one. a place yes. in uh, pirate, pirate seafaring adventures. Very true. Very true. And um, you've got the, the wench town and, and, you know, the yeah. carousing, even though it's baseball and very childlike. The pirates are very childlike and a lot of adaptations of Peter Pan, but particularly so in this one. So what we're missing in this one. Yeah, they do have a plank because Peter falls off of it to splash in with the mermaids. Peter Pan has has just about everything but ship battles. Yeah, basically. You know, it has it's all stationary fighting. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's like, it's all stationary fighting. There's no crazy pirate lore or pirate curse. They're like pirates that never leave land. It, basically, <laughs> it's true. I mean, can you though? After you've built a set that awesome. Probably not. I do like the idea of like them kind of staying anchored, just waiting for Peter to show up. I mean, of course, I suppose they they sail like they, they the skies sail. and steal children. They do. It is weird because I generally don't know how they got to from Neverland to London to steal the kids. Yeah, I don't know. Because they must have sailed the ship. Otherwise, I've, I've read... Some other Peter Pan thing? Yeah. Would it, like, describe something like this more specifically? Yeah, so it I know must in the, be a common in the sequel, idea. the animated Disney sequel for Peter Pan, they do fly, like, a ship, Yeah. the Jolly Roger, to London, you know, and steal anchor Jane. through the rooftops, yeah, that and then sort of take thing. It, which is not very subtle. I kind of wish we could see that in I wish movie. we could have seen that. The weird thing is, and again, this is just, like, nitpicky weird lore stuff, but if you think about it, the big fantastical thing that happens in the Disney animated movie um, and a lot of adaptations is the kids fly the ship back to London and the darlings get reunited with their kids and they, they take in all the lost boys and adopt them except for Peter because, you know, Peter's stubborn and he's like, I can't, I'm Peter Pan, I don't mm-hmm. want this shit. Um, but the way that they're able to do that is through like a shit ton of pixie dust and that's how the ship flies. Yeah. I, I just, unless, again, unless Hook has like a really good hookup with like some <laughs> off-brand pixies. Maybe don't know how that ship is flying to london but i'm not going to question it but i do wish we, we could have seen it if that is how they got to london although of course one of the best sequences in the movie is probably the, the kidnapping and mm-hmm. part of why it's good is because you can't it's, see it. yeah it's all like it's terrifying yeah scary and, and mysterious yeah um so it'd be, be a trade-off i guess genuinely surprised that they didn't because they went so big with peter pan lore easter eggs and references and maybe it's just a cost, which I understand this would be much more difficult to do in the early 90s compared to now, especially because, like, Spielberg's sneaking up on that, that Jurassic Park very soon with special effects. But, like, mm-hmm. it does genuinely surprise me that they didn't go even bigger for the home. Like, we've already made so many references to Peter Pan in the previous iteration. Why didn't we fly a ship home? That just feels like a big, momentous, yeah. like, ending shot. I, suppose, I mean, they pretty much just leave yeah you know just fly away well do like they end up in the um in the snow right yep. yeah yeah they uh, which is also a little, you know it's a little overly mundane yeah i don't that's know i'm saying like i feel like it, it's weird that yeah. like they didn't have a big bombastic ending when there's already one built into the original and you, they could um, have just used it again you have to go home at yeah. the end of the story of course yeah but there is probably a way to do it that feels a bit less deflating yeah uh you don't want to focus too much on like now, the here's boring old uh, yeah. Earth normal. Yeah. Because and now we're back in London. Yeah. I don't know. You like to. That's probably why you know Toodles flies off at the end. Yeah. Try to re- regain the magic a little bit. Yeah. Um, you since you mentioned pixies and other such creatures, yeah, I, I thought we should talk probably about, talk about Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell, yeah. uh, who really like doesn't make a big impression on me to be honest. Yeah, I mean, there's also like the the crazy production behind the scenes yes. of like. The nickname of Tinker Hell. You can read up on it. I will link you guys to it if you're interested in that hot gossip, that early '90s hot gossip. Yeah, um, apparently difficulties. Yes. Um, but I don't really think that um, it shows. No, I don't think so. Um, no. I mean, everyone's professional on the filming, I suppose. Yeah. Um. Or th- yeah. She's just kind of like. I think she's there because yeah. it's a Peter Pan movie, and Tinker Bell has to be there. Yeah. Um. 
I do know that they brought in our beautiful, magnificent galactic princess, uh, Carrie Fisher, to be a script doctor, and she definitely did a pass on the Tinkerbell dialogue. Um, and she was, I think Spielberg, I don't know how I can back this up or not, but I remember reading somewhere that Spielberg had kind of based his first idea iteration of Tinkerbell based off of Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. and her personality. And so it makes sense for her to ask her, like, hey, can you, like, brush up some of these lines and, like, this interaction? Because, like, Tinkerbell is, like, pretty spunky. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is really the only girl besides Maggie in this movie that is present in Neverland. And so you would think that she would have a bigger impact. But her whole thing is trying to get Peter to be Peter again, which works because, you know, she is his fairy exclusively, mm-hmm. like, in the lore. Um, and she does love him. But, uh, and I and there are always been hints that, like, um, she doesn't, she's jealous of Wendy in the original. Yeah. And she very much loves Peter. And that's why she causes mischief sometimes and talks to Hook and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But um, it is weird because if you have a grown-up Peter, then what does that look? What does Tinkerbell look like without Peter and being reunited with him? Like, it's odd. It's a very mm-hmm. odd dynamic. Like, I think her and Robin Williams are great together, but in terms of, like, her place in the story, she doesn't really do much other than, like, cheerlead him on, which is fine because, like, Tinkerbell is a supporting yeah. character. But they do have, like, this weird beat where she, like, grows life-size and yeah. I always thought that I mean, was very the odd. Most memorable bit, I suppose. Yeah. Um, Where she like has a one wish, and she just wanted to be with him, and it's just very, very weird. It doesn't really feel like it fits. No. Uh, it's part of like a story that they aren't telling. Yeah. Again, it's a weird tonal thing mm-hmm. of like, Tinker Bell loves Peter Pan, but you're like, yeah, she does, but it's like a childlike thing, and she's frustrated with him, and also like, the whole thing with fairies is they're very small, so within the mythology of the the Peter Pan story is fairies aren't inherently bad or good. They're just so small that they only have room for one emotion at a time. <laughs> um, so when, like, if she's jealous, she's fully jealous and she's nothing else. Yeah. And if she's angry, she's fully angry. And if she's, like, caring, then she's that. Like, she's very simple in terms of her emotional range, and that's just how the character was built. And so it's weird in this one for her even without that backstory going in to be like Tinkerbell's in love with Peter Pan he's an adult now she wants to be a grown woman to be with him it just kind (laughs) of feels a little icky it's weird because like that's not their relationship their relationship is there's this very young boy with like this fairy guide who gets frustrated with him um and she's built to be you know one emotion at a time Uh and with this it's like Tinkerbell obviously it's not a great part if you know as an as an actress, you just get to do one emotion at a time and stick to that. But it is odd to be like going, jumping from fairy guide and cheerleader to being like, and now I'm a human woman. I'm a fairy woman now. Yeah, like, what do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> I I do like the um the scene where they meet and um and she's in the little dollhouse. Yes. I think that looks really cool. Yes. And she falls down it. Yes, and she basically reenacts like the very pivotal moment in both the play and the adaptations of like Tinkerbell's dead you have to clap yeah. if you believe in fairies you it's know funny. it's just like the greatest hits mm-hmm. um but yeah I mean she's not bad in it it just it feels like if this is a movie called Hook and Tinkerbell is in it and if you know that Tinkerbell kind of accidentally betrays everybody and Hook tricks her in in the movie and and I think also like she definitely interacts with Hook. She only really gets like one scene with him, and that's to convince him to give like Peter Pan a training period, yeah. and that's it. And it's just really interesting because like that character dynamic has always been really interesting of like Tinkerbell being jealous and Hook taking advantage of that mm-hmm. and being like emotionally manipulative and very clever. And they don't use that that prototype or anything to build off of that relationship at all. And that's it. They just kind of negotiate. And I like that scene. Yeah. So it would really be nice to have more of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause especially because Hook is more dynamic than a lot of the other characters. Yeah. But. but yeah, I mean, Tinkerbell's fine. She, I just fine. wish she had more to do and there was a, something a little bit. But, I mean, she her interactions are great. Her lines are great because mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher's great. So. Yeah, like, I think she's fun in most of her scenes. It yeah. just doesn't add up to that much. Yeah, agreed. What's your favorite scene? 
Um, I think my favorite scene is probably, <laughs> even though I was really making fun of it while we were watching it, um, is probably the uh, dinner scene with the Lost Boys. Because mm-hmm. I really like the moment where he's not fully Peter Pan, but like there's something in there intrinsically that feels... It feels really like Robin Williams. It doesn't feel like Peter Panning. It doesn't feel like Peter Pan. It's when he's going back and forth and insults with Rufio. The spirit of alliteration is yes, inside him. And just him going so quick, so rapid yeah. fire. It's just like, it's not like he's even really technically breaking character because he's like a lawyer and stuff and he's he's fast talker. He can do this. But you're just like, uh, it's just something only Robin Williams can do. Maybe they didn't script it and they just told him to insult the children. Yes, which <laughs> it honestly makes it even better because it's like that's what he, it's. It, I think as you put it when we were watching it, it's like it's as close to swearing as you can get without actually yes. swearing, which honestly makes it even more entertaining because you have to be that clever to come up with something like that. Um, but I really, really like that scene because it really frustrates me because I'm always really hungry and I just want to see what the kids are eating. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of have that magical moment where it's like, it's super cheesy and they're like you're starting to believe peter and you're like this could turn into a horror movie very quickly but i think like he grounds the scene and that's one of the few times where i feel like he's really really connecting with the lost boys and particularly rufio yeah um and it's just really fun and childish but i feel like robin williams is the only one that could pull that scene off Uh so i would probably pick that one yeah what about you my favorite scene. Oh, it's gonna be so good! I'm ready. <laughs> is the scene where Hook uh, and Smee are in their uh, little cabin, yes. and then Hook it's gets not depressed. Little. Yeah. Yes, and he's he's gonna shoot himself. Yes, he says, "Stop me! Stop yes. me!" <laughs> and yes, Shmee does again, not get a weird it. dark tone. <laughs> it's just great. You could cut it; it doesn't matter. But I love it. It's pretty great. They're great together. Yeah. In that. It's just got that, it's got their whole character dynamic right there. Yeah, in a nutshell. And admittedly, kind of contributes to what you're talking about. Like, the whole point of a scene like that, it like, makes it seem like this is just a game they play over and over. Yeah. Like everything else. Hook's never going to actually shoot himself, just like he's never going to actually kill anyone else, except that he does. Except he does. Yeah. So it's a bit weird. Yeah. But in isolation... Really funny. It's really entertaining. Yeah, I think... I think you kind of hit the nail on the head. I feel like Hook is a series of good scenes that don't really add up to a lot, mm-hmm. which sounds really harsh, and it's not a detriment to anybody. But I think it's very long, so obviously the scenes that you remember are the ones that are really going to stand out in such a long runtime. but that doesn't necessarily mean they contribute to the overall intended end effect. Yeah, and like we were saying in the very beginning... These are like good scenes, you know. They yeah. they aren't just like uh, brief. They're bright well moments. shot. They're beautifully constructed. Yeah. These these are like moments where, it, like, it seems like the movie really knows what it's doing. Yeah. Until maybe it doesn't again. Yeah. The next scene. Yeah. Um, it's just muddled. It's a muddled movie. It's a very muddled movie. Yeah. And the pirates are not that scary, and the pirates yeah. don't need to be scary, but there's got to be like. It does have a wealth of pirate outfits, though. It really does. Props to the costume designer. Just a lot of general piratey aesthetics, yeah. which is nice. Which I think is actually quite hard to do when you're doing a movie with this weird tone. Because unlike Pirates of the Caribbean, where you can get like a little funky with the costumes, as long as they look kind of somewhat period appropriate, but they're pretty distinct. Like If you're doing a full-blown like kids Peter Pan movie, I feel like it's very, very easy, since they are such broad pirate characters... To make it feel like they're just in Halloween costumes, but they manage not to. Mm-hmm. I really don't think like there's enough like weird detailing and distinction between all of the pirates, even in the big crowd scenes, where it feels like yes, they were individually dressed because obviously that's what happens. Yeah. But um, yeah, they don't feel like they could have felt a lot more generic, generic in the costuming, but they they feel like they that is a Neverland pirate if that makes mm-hmm. any sort of sense. Um, Specific, colorful, yeah. splashy vibe. Yeah. Yeah, really bright, fantastical, cartoony, but doesn't feel like a Halloween costume. Or maybe it kind of does, but that's not well, a bad like, thing. Well, like, if they do, uh, it fits in with, the, like, the set. Like, we're Yeah, exactly. About. It's all of a piece. Yes. Yeah. I like it. I'm trying to think. Any any favorite character for you? I'm, my favorite character is Hook. It is Hook? Yeah. <laughs> 
Are you ready for the confession that you already know, but I feel like I need to share? What is it? Um, I, for the longest time, again, was a small child when I saw this, did not know that Dustin Hoffman was Captain Hook in this movie because A, I had not seen a lot of Dustin Hoffman as a small child, and B, he doesn't really look like Dustin Hoffman because no, no, he's got he the wig and the, the twirly brow and stash going. I mean, I didn't know that it was either. Yeah. Um, and I still don't think it looks like him. Like, Same. I don't know. He do- I don't, Even he doesn't when they read. ripped the wig off of him at the end. Yeah, he still looks... He looks... I don't know. Not like Dustin Hoffman, so... It's just such a weird role for him anyway, so yeah. that contributes, obviously. Yeah. Oh, we should probably say um, that we still don't know how Hook died. Yeah. Um, he was fallen on by the a big crocodile, crocodile uh, statue, which is also real, I guess. It's it's like a stuffed crocodile. But then it like comes alive. But yeah. then it like kind of comes alive, but it, it doesn't. It's worth noting they don't actually touch on the hook crocodile thing like at any point in this movie, so that probably doesn't help. I mean, they, he mentioned that he stuffed the crocodile, and obviously he lost the, his hand to the crocodile. Mm-hmm. Though, fun trivia fact, I do believe the hook is not on what is traditionally the correct hand. Interesting. Because... Um, Dustin Hoffman, that is not his dominant hand, and so they had to switch the hook onto the other hand so he could actually do stuff. So they don't dwell on it, though. No, they don't really dwell on it. And it's weird because they're like... And you do see shots of the crocodile prior to, like, this weird Yeah. Well, you got to. It's very centerpiece of the set. Yeah. But it seems like the, the structural integrity of the crocodile is at one point broken and it seems like the croc is coming alive even though he's dead and stuffed and then, and then he lands on kills him i guess but then he must go in his stomach because if you look in between the jaws there he's is not no there hook. And, and even the kids are like the croc ate hook and you're like what yeah and then the crocodile is like dead again yeah but he kind of does he burp i don't even remember i don't remember i might just be projecting but that'd be hard to do when your face just is on the ground this too this is embarrassing um, <laughs> well it's weird i kind of feel like it's supposed to be this fantastical thing and like of course he gets got by the crocodile but yes. also like you don't actually see it happen because hook like needs to kind of maybe potentially still be around theoretically because neverland continues forever yeah it just feels like a weird death yeah like it makes sense like hook's gonna be his end will be with the crocodile but like he, it's such a kind of like a a, a meek way to go to have something fall on you and like obviously this is a kids movie so you're not going to see like blood and guts and a body crushed but at the same time you're just like it's so it's so vague enough that you're like i genuinely don't know what happened here i mean they were but he's willing, no longer there they're willing to stab rufio so exactly if you can see rufio being stabbed you can see hook at least like you could hear like a death scream or something <laughs> like yeah something some sort of I don't know, audio cue to know, like, or maybe that's the intention is like, it's going to be vaguely magical. Like you said, like it is just kind of a cycle. It's a game. It's the equivalent of like having an action figure get fall, like fall on another action figure and poof, he's gone. He's dead. I mean, those remaining lost boys are going to need pirates. I know. Uh, what are they going to do? Otherwise? I know. I know. Yeah. It's an ongoing cycle. Also like guys, are we doing anything with Rufio's body? Like, Everyone forgot already. Everybody forgot. Like, I get Neverland is a place where you forget shit, but, like, seriously, guys, that's not cool. That dude was your leader. Also, he has the most distinct hair out of all of them. He's got, like, that trihawk thing going. Mm-hmm. Come on. It's a shame. Justice for Rufio. It's a tragedy. <laughs> yeah. I'm never getting over it. Is that it. your favorite character? Uh, nah. It's still Shmi. That's good. I really love Shmi. He's the best pirate very supportive you know? yeah he definitely knows what he's doing yeah plus he has a classic weird pirate hat yeah we like that what is that thing the pirates have like, like it's a weird like it's not like a tricorn but it's like kind of a tricorn yeah yeah i don't know the whole thing i don't know i don't know it's all good anyway this is a weird movie this is the moral of that story yeah and uh anything else anything else we want to talk about i feel like that's that's so much of it that's it's it. really it's all of it it's an odd love letter to peter pan and captain hook didn't quite hit the mark but that's okay it doesn't take away from the fact that it's still very entertaining and fathers who should ignore their, their daughters kids. and just hang out with their kids yes. and it, if only their kids the son <laughs> yes that's a great that's a great note to end on yeah yeah <laughs> all right i guess before it gets really weird uh i'm gonna sign off this has been vicky camden it's and camden we will talk to you guys later bye bye if you guys liked our show please let us know 
you can rate and review us on Apple Podcast. And also feel free to contact us on our main website. That one is grumpyoctopusproductions.com. Then I'll link you up to all of our social media. You can follow us on Twitter and or like us on Facebook. And you can reach out to us at our email account. That is grumpyoctopusproductions at gmail.com. I think we're sensing a bit of a trend here. (laughs) Um, Also on the website, you guys can check out all of our episode and production notes and fun little extras as well. So, as always, thanks for listening, loyal listeners. Alrighty, signing off.